like Tucker, I'm Todd. Hi, Todd, I'm Tucker. Now recording. It's about time you fuck. Why did that work? I, I don't know. Craig, you're on thin fucking ice. When when we told you to be useless, we were it was a it was a role. Like just pretend. Yeah, it wasn't supposed to be real. So welcome to and all No, no, I said and now I'm I'm here too. Oh, okay. I was going to say welcome to the Tucker and Todd show. That's Tucker. I'm Todd. And we're going to come up with sketches. That's exactly what we're going to do. And I'm not going to jump the queue again. It was not an established queue, so that's forgivable. So speaking of established, you better not have been off getting cookies. No. So I was really laughing because an episode before I had said, I'm not going to get snacks. And then... I'd had cookies before, and last week I had peanut butter and raisins. And I thought afterwards, that was the, literally the worst combination of things I could have got as a snack for recording my voice in front of a microphone. <laughs> just, just smacking your lips. Just... <laughs> <laughs> it really was. I, but I think considering how badly I masked the cookies, I think I masked the the peanut butter quite well. Yeah, I I uh, I could have swore that they were just cookies, as I am the cookie munching bastard. I don't even bring uh, snacks to recording. I just bring water. Yeah, I'm learning my lesson. I would like it to get it down to the point where maybe I bring a cognac. Oh, oh, like a, a fancy brandy, just and a cigar, and just really relax and cut loose. Yeah, because I don't. I typically don't like to, as they say, drink alone. But I also am not that much of a like social drinker anymore. I've just gone to the point, and also, especially, I do not drink brown liquor around people anymore because I'll end up uh, usually self-destructing, and then the the you know the shockwave around you is destructive. Also, so I just stopped. I drink by myself here semi-regularly and i don't feel bad about it at all because i don't care what other people think because it's not like they know anyway well that's what i was kind of getting to is maybe it might be kind of fun at, because this is a what it, i guess it's it's cooperative but it is solo we're in different places it might be kind of fun to introduce brown liquor to this process it is not an uncommon practice anyways <laughs> shall we get into our show yeah let's get into our show you cookie munching bastard okay i think that we should i think that we should begin oh i want to begin with i want to return to sendables i would like to return to the sendables briefly last week we had talked about how a female man would appear and murder the mailman yeah she wasted him she wasted him but i was thinking maybe a better way to set it up and maybe yeah like set it up for a sequel and save that whole funeral scene that we talked about maybe even for that sequel to introduce that it was a whole group like we set up the idea of the sendables and then we actually see them all later because he doesn't get killed by her he on oh now my stone brain is kind of getting in the way of what my idea was i should have written it more in the discord but the idea was that he is the one that rips the mail 
It's not that the male gets ripped by the the dad and then he goes into crazy mode. There's we need to come up now with a confrontation that kind of established between the child and the dad and the male man earlier. And then the mailman accidentally rips the mail and he becomes he falls apart. He becomes extremely remorseful and self-loathing and like there's much uh, wailing and gnashing of teeth, you know. He he becomes completely unhinged. Well, I mean, in a completely other way of the type of unhinged that he already was. But he becomes completely... Yes, yes. He, he starts to unwind and, and like, kind of deconstruct. Buzz Lightyear lost his arm and realized he was a toy. Yeah, exactly. He, his entire worldview suddenly becomes entirely shattered as he becomes that which he hates. And so then, at, that is the moment, maybe when the female man shows up because because I'm, I guess the, the, the male man becomes despondent, totally loses faith in himself. And then I thought maybe the, that's when the female man would show up kind of like to shake his shoulders and scream in his face. You need to, we need something like some threat is coming. You need to pull yourself together kind of thing. And that's when the, that sets us up for the, the sequel. Oh, so there's, there's a greater enemy at, uh, at foot. We need you snap out of it right and i was also thinking potentially because the the sendables are all these assassins and we've already we have characters in the world that are assassin leaning and i was thinking maybe this orphanage is the distribution and dispatch center and sort of like the training academy for the people that eventually become the sendables i think it's reasonable to assume that there is a direct causal link between the assassination orphanage place, which is already full of full-grown adults, but I'm sure. Oh, I guess, I guess, I guess we've already we've already said that the the orphanage has many different types of adults that look like children coming through. Some are there's the door for the sexy ones, but nobody comes through it. There's the door for the assassins. There's different types, so that place is not. So maybe there's a separate place, but some of the people will discover down the line that our indescendables came from that orphanage originally. Or maybe, oh, that's why they were de- delivering a message to the orphan, the, the adopted boy that was living at that home. They were bringing him his Hogwarts letter. So that he could go to the orphanage or he was just getting a letter from the orphanage because the, the implication was that he already came from there. Well, that, that's what I'm saying. So the, they are they are separate places because because the orphanage has too many different types of adult children coming through it already. They, they have nothing to do with the like the assassin is it's sort of like boss baby or whatever, like children are determined the babies are determined what their path will be. So these are babies that have determined that they'll be assassins, right? So they just, they are processed through the orphanage and then that has occurred already. Now he is like 12 or whatever. He has come of age. And so he is being summoned to a different place. This is a different place where people become sendables. This is the postal training academy. Yeah, <laughs> the postal training. Yeah, okay. With it, a proper academy, not just like an orphanage where, where they get caught up and then redistributed and gotten rid of but a a proper academy this is where you go when you graduate into a a real assassin and then graduate again yeah something like that i'm trying to think because we've because we established that that first mailman was an anomaly well i mean then we said that there was a whole so he wasn't an anomaly because then there's a whole bunch of them who were who were who are actually assassins also well they're they're 
kind of assassin assassins kind of soldiers kind of they like have a bunch of different specialties like they really are like the expendables but uh the man this this one mailman he's not necessarily an audit an, uh, an anomaly across the entire world he's an anomaly in this town he's the only guy who's this crazy in the whole town that was that oh yeah that's true right the anomaly appearances only for really the setup of the joke and and then a big part of the joke is realizing that in fact he is not an anomaly and there are other people like that crazy crazy postal people okay so i haven't actually seen the expendables what type of characters are they is it so like one is like the heavy one is the driver one is the explosives guy yeah you pretty much hit it on the head that's it it's a game of Team Fortress 2. <laughs> That's fine. I guess it is. Like, you've got your guy who's good with knives. You've got your sniper. You've got your freaking ninja guy. You know, that kind of stuff. Yes. Okay, so th- this is actually kind of... This is perfect then, okay? So the the mailman was there to deliver the invitation to the child to the Postal Academy. And then he accidentally rips it because there's a conflict with the dad. Is is the dad perhaps currently engaged in combat with this kid or did he assume hmm does the dad not understand well yeah why would he not understand maybe is he does he not want the kid to leave oh maybe he definitely doesn't want the kid to become an assassin and then become even worse that sounds reasonable to me please don't take this kid and make him into an assassin he's already bad and crazy and violent enough or may, okay, maybe he's thrilled that the invitation is coming, and he reaches out to grab it because he wants to. Like he's so excited. Oh, is this it? This means he's finally going to be gone. And he reaches out to grab it, and the mailman wants to follow the proper procedure. So he, 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 like, put, why can't I say the words right? The mailman refuses to put it into anyone's hands but the recipients. Yeah, he pulls his hand away. Like he withdraws it quickly and that's when it rips and yes that is a better workaround this guy definitely wants to get rid of the kid i mean thank god he's leaving so he reaches out to grab the invitation but the mailman pulls it away and rips it and that's when he falls apart dejected and then that's when the female man shows up to like god good god god damn it man pull yourself together this happens to the best of us definitely going to need to have some kind of inspiring speech followed by the stereotypical slapping the guy across the face and telling him to get himself together. And in fact, I'm reminded of that scene, I forget which film it was, where an entire lineup of people were slapping this lady on a plane, telling her to calm down. (laughs) That's airplane. Is it just airplane? Yeah, pull yourself together, and then everybody's lined up and gives her a slap. Yeah, that's what it made me think of, but that's what he needs a stereo. He needs the stereotypical cliche slap in the face. So I need to get rid of I have this Snookums and Meat image open in front of me and it keeps really distracting me from having thoughts. <laughs> All right, then let's get go ahead and just get it out. Yes, okay, back to blank slate, my empty docs. We have this fellow. He so it so do is it do we have a slapping thing or does he does he, seeing the female man immediately snap him out of his stupor and he's oh come on the female man i've got and he becomes all misogynistic like i've got this he knows her by name and he calls her by name they have a history it was definitely an ugly divorce or something he 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 tries to maybe they were like rivals of the academy they're they are rivals now that they're divorced or whatever oh does he call her by name yeah he calls her by name he's like oh 
God, they didn't send you, did they? I've got this under control, Helen. So she announces her she announces herself by moniker, but he calls her by name with an eye roll. Yeah, exactly, which kind of undermines her. Helen, I've got this. You do realize you are quite literally ripping off the Incredibles? Like he's talking out of the side of his mouth. Like, can you get out of here? I'm taking care of it. Is, is it funnier if he immediately snaps out of his catatonic stupor as soon as she shows up? Like, like suddenly the thing that was the end of his life isn't actually so bad now that she's here? Well, the catatonic stupor is funny because up until that... He had been extreme. There's all sorts of bravado and he's super aggressive and alpha male, right? Yeah, he's macho and action hero ish. And then does seeing her whip him into like a cuck kind of character or does he go back to trying to overexert the alpha thing? He definitely gets a little bit of wind taken out of his sails. He gets a bit whiny. I don't know if we'll say that he goes full cuck. Are we even still allowed to say that? Yeah, I just meant I, I just I just meant whiny. But yeah, he uh he he gets whiny and like he undermines himself by behaving like a henpecked husband. Do they have kids? Do they start? Does do they? Does he? Do we have a moment of detracting from the drama that she's trying to establish? Well, I guess is is there a, so is there a greater threat coming immediately, or is she just there? To, like if you can't get this job done that I have to sort of thing. Oh no, I like the idea of the greater threat. That definitely gives us a good reason to get all of these sendables together. But that's what she's there for is to scoop him up even though she doesn't want to cuz it's it's a rivalry. They could they wouldn't send anybody else. There was nobody else to send. Now I'm here to get you. Right. So she vaguely establishes that there is a threat, but then they detract into conversation about like alimony payments and how the kids are doing and like why do you let them dye their hair like that and those that sort of petty shit. And then like the the dad and the kid are watching like going like are we going to get on to what the threat was? I like that the the dis- discussion about all their domestic issues while there's a looming threat and of course there's torn mail and this kid is probably still going bit ballistic (laughs) he's just running around the yard pointing pointing guns at things yeah it's probably out of ammo by now but he's still like pistol whipping stuff okay so i think that i think that was all i really wanted to discuss for that i don't want to keep i don't want to move on to the sequel immediately but that is the end of of the prequel (laughs) or the first the the a new hope but does that mean that there's no funeral scene where we actually get to see the the sendables assemble no, I think the the funeral scene is the opening of the second one. Ah, that that way it can be anybody who died, right? So that we can reuse the mailman. He gets to stay alive. He gets to stay alive. And actually, when you said it could be anyone, we could actually take advantage. You know how these movies work. The person that is dead in the beginning and isn't actually dead. We find out later in the movie. Oh, oh yeah, definitely. It's just I faked my death to lure out the bad guy or something, or to bring you all together, or for some other narrative contrivance. Yeah, and then the plan fails utterly. Well, obviously, and the biggest reason it fails is because this former couple are still arguing the whole way and they can't get over their own shit, and they're going to doom the world because they argue about, I don't know, their daughter's haircut. She's 14. Why do you let her wear those clothes? Well, I was going to say, or maybe was, I was like, let's not discuss the sequel. And now I'm excited about it because I like this idea of the dead not. And then so you said lure out 
whoever they're luring out, were they trying to lure out her, the ex-wife, and then the reason that she didn't get lured out in the plan failed is because she actually hooked up with her ex-husband? Well, no, she's part of the Sendables team that is supposed to be assembled to fight whatever this looming threat that they're that this funeral is supposed to lure out. Let's assume that whoever died was the one person that this looming threat was afraid enough, afraid of enough to not act. Now in their absence, this, this looming threat, this other party is now able to do whatever it is that makes them so threatening. Oh, our character, our funeral character is Dumbledore. Yeah, with him out of the way, the bad guys can now start actually moving. And so it's a it's a ploy, it's a trap, or it's supposed to be. And it would have worked if it weren't for you meddling kids. And the fact that uh, as soon as we assembled the Sendables, they all just started fighting with each other, especially that married couple or divorced couple who hate each other. He, he says if it weren't for you mediating kids, because they're still going through the divorce, actually. They're going to mediating um, meetings. <laughs> That's pretty good. <laughs> okay, before we get too excited about the sequel, we should probably uh, tuck it aside. And I know <laughs> what you're you going to <laughs> No, I didn't realize I was saying it till after I said it. Six minutes of Tucker saying tuck it aside. 49,000 views. <laughs> okay, just, yeah, just chop them all up. Every instance of me doing that. You, okay, so we're talking, what were we talking it for? We're we're going to set it aside for now because we we didn't want to get into the sequel right away unless now you do. No, I don't think I I think I wanted to go. I think I wanted to continue working on our list. All right. Well, what's next? Because there's just so goddamn many. I feel like lately I've been I've been so inspired. I think that happens once you get a little bit of an outlet. Should we? So did we put Pokeball because? I need to draw it and add it to the room, or did we want to do a bit about the Pokeball? Well, it was originally put there as a reminder that we need to actually add it to that shelf because it is one of our little knickknacks in the studio. But if you would like to discuss the nature or the origin of the Pokeball, I'm all game for it, so long as we didn't just pick it out of a game of Pokemon. Well, could we tie it into the post-Brexit UK rebel faction? I don't see why not, although I'm not sure how to make that connection. Weird connections show up when you just start talking about things. That they do. So how is that war going? So they're declared, but so all citizens of the UK. So here's the thing. We need to figure out the order of operations and whatnot. The citizens of the UK all live mostly in the UK. They're pretty much secluded to an island. Correct. And so they all are just there. I assume they're not leaving. Uh, Certainly not. Not now. The entire point is is doubling down on everything that is British and to the exclusion of everything that isn't. So would would our sketch take place in the UK where representatives of the EU are in some way battling against people on their own turf or do we have a group of rebel brits who are out in europe somewhere i was kind of thinking that a uh six foot six all in black representative of the european empire could be uh you know boarding a british ship 
and looking for the princess. So the princess has disappeared somehow? No, she's she's on that ship. She's hiding. She happens to have a droid oh, I that contains when you the said plans to the Death Star. The princess. Yeah, I was trying to be really my bra- my brain to. was creaking some gears on like why is he leaning into princess which princess am i did mario ever board a ship well here's the thing is the uk is a monarchy still they could have a princess and she could very easily uh have a thumb drive that has wheels that happens to contain the plans for some kind of super weapon that the european empire is building and those those damn rebels are getting their hands on it. This makes me so anxious because of Harvest Moon or whatever it was called. Blue Harvest or whatever it was called. I think we're going to have to do a little research. Family Guy Blue Harvest is their like Star Wars parody. Ah, I see that. So I feel like doing an exact Star Wars parody is, I don't know. No, we don't want to do that, but but we well okay, so it's it's not a long feature thing. That's here's that's that is true. It's not stupid to do a Star Wars parody. Well, of course it's not, but I also want to make fun of Brexit. <laughs> I guess that is what what is going on. Okay, so what is on the thumb drive? Oh, 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 here. This is that's played by Craig, obviously. It's not for a weapon. And in fact, the rebels are the militant ones. The the European Empire are actually very peaceful it's a socialist utopia so it's actually it's actually plans for better healthcare. <laughs> or how far in the future is it has one of them collapsed and they're so maybe the uk the uk is actually the uk is the is the uh the utopia and the rest of the european union is like rocks and sticks no no the european i, I just wanted to Okay, okay. The UK definitely has to be the bad guy as the rebel faction instead of like the uh, the good guy underdog. So in in this way, it's kind of a reversal of the Star Wars thing. The galactic the Galactic Empire are the good guys in this one. Right. The the UK the princess and her agents have stolen some the plans for a state of the art kind of super hospital or something. Have are they? Hmm. I think I want to do this just to piss off my English friend. What 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 specifically to get to the core of what would what would piss him off? What is the essence of the pissing off? Oh, like uh, he likes calling the Americans rebels still, for instance. And so I told him that the Brexit actually makes him a rebel, and he got all upset about that. Okay. The notion that the UK isn't the empire and that everybody else is the rebel is the problem for him. Everybody else is the vanquished. The UK is the empire. And it's that way no longer. So do we do we represent the UK in in a sci-fi future or do we represent the UK as as like uh, frontiersmen? Are those the only options? I guess they're not the only options. I, I mean, the entire setting would be near future. But the. Uh, because it would have to be post Brexit, we can't. Yeah, yeah, like it has to be after they actually complete the deal, which they're still dragging their feet on. So the UK are the rebels, and what does the rest of the EU look like? They're so the EU is a socialist it's a socialist utopia, utopia. Okay. and so the the UK as the rebels have stolen. Did you say the plans for a hospital? 
oh yeah, a super state-of-the-art sophisticated super hospital. They're going to blow it up or they're just going to otherwise prevent it from ever being built by stealing, for some reason, the only copy of the plans because this socialist utopia doesn't upload stuff to the cloud. Are they stealing their plans or are they actually interrupting their medical supply? Ooh, let's say they're somehow trying to do both with this this uh, heist of this of these plans. Let's say that it also includes some sort of supply line or some kind of development that would rapidly accelerate the speed at which certain uh, medical technologies can be manufactured or something. Oh, uh, so wait, wait, wait. So maybe it is it is the plans, but they make a joke about we've set up a blockade and they kind of like look at Cameron and have a moment of like, really? And they go, OK, never mind the blockade. Oh, those pesky British. The joke, the joke being that they've set up a blockade at sea and Europe doesn't care. I was trying to more make fun of how Phantom Menace, the whole plotline of having the the blockade was like a, a completely stupid obscure who needs a point yeah well trying to establish a blockade in space is pretty fucking dumb and so does the whole sketch take place on the ship being boarded is 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 yeah probably is the, I, I we probably shouldn't milk it any farther than that is the dialogue of the joke essentially that the people on the ship are trying to represent themselves as not rebels or calling other people rebels, and then the people on the ship just have to keep hand faces saying, no, but look at what you're doing. Yeah, I haven't quite decided on what their actual opinion on their own socio-political status is, whether they really believe that they're rebels or whether they think that they're just... Like, so the, 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 the European representatives show up, and the UK people smugly say, like, ah, look, the rebels, and the European people are confused, like, Wait, what is it? No, you guys are the rebels. Yeah, that seems like a proper uh, British imperialist thing to think and say. I mean, I'm assuming basically the the joke, the sketch is the conversation that you have back and forth with your British friend, but it's being played out by these caricatures. Oh, no, the conversation was very short, unfortunately. He just wouldn't have it. No, uh, it would all be entirely original material that get got wrote for that. It would, uh, it would kind of be a joking subversion of the conversation between Vader and Leia as he boards her ship. Okay, so in that circumstance, hmm, I'm trying to think of how kind of the tone was. She was very, she had a lot of dignity. Yeah, she did not break frame. She kept her chin up. Uh, does it turn out in the scene that we're having that the two characters are actually father and daughter, but they don't know it or they do know it? They're father and daughter and they're having a conversation and it, it keeps being subverted by her going like, Dad, don't talk to me like that. Is the daughter the rebel? I mean, I understand that the princess is the rebel, but is are we going are we going to actually say that the older gentleman is not the, the stiff upper lip British snob? Well, I was going to say maybe the... The, the father is this like serene Christopher Lee type from the European Union, right? They're from their uh, socialist utopia. And they've kind of, he keeps trying to say like, like, why won't you see, why won't you see the truth? Why won't you see the way? And she is like literally like a bratty rebel. Yeah, you had me a Christopher Lee. And she's like, dad, you're so cringe. <laughs> ugh, ugh, ugh. Now it hurts to think about. You're so cringe. Like, are they are they literally like a bunch of teenagers wearing uh, Che Guevara shirts and stuff? 
Yes, I think they should be, and still unironically declaring that they are rebels. <laughs> right. <laughs> like Punk saying we're nonconformists, but we all, all wear the same clothes and haircuts. Exactly that. We're just going after everybody. Yeah, I'm okay with that. I don't mind taking shots at absolutely everybody, but somebody has to make fun of the British for this entire stupid thing. Well, that actually works, because then they can be kind of like, yeah, like Sid Vicious-type British punks. Yeah, and somewhere on the boat, there should probably be a little gang of soccer hooligans that are very embarrassing to the British in general, but nobody wants to do anything about them. Maybe that's maybe that's the uh, common goal that actually the European Union and the UK is able to uh, unite over. Football? Specifically, yeah. <laughs> is that the IT crowd I'm thinking of? Or that you're thinking of? Soccer Foot- football is basically the only thing that they all agree on, even though they don't agree who, which team is best. So they unite to extinguish this, the hooligans. And we can have, actually, maybe that's when we have another sort of like Terry Gilliam-style little like animation of like the cliffs of Dover with a little crowd of people with a big broom sweeping out the soccer hooligans in their puma sweatsuits off the cliffs and they rabble 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 sweep 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 and the guys fall and they go into the sea and of course the sea itself has to make noise too yeah yeah i i really love the terry gilliam cartoon i want terry gilliam on gilliam on this show (laughs) is that what you're doing you're setting out we actually well here you go they might not like that we're going to just uh, go ahead and throw the entire uh, all of Britain under the bus here, though. But I think he would he would enjoy that, wouldn't he? Uh, they they enjoy it when they do it, anyway. <laughs> that would be cool. How do you interview cartoons? You just kind of have to interact with them. Oh, mm-hmm. do you like the idea? So here, to, to, had we finished an idea at all? Uh, I think we're. Less we have something to think about for the uh, the the Brexit rebels sketch. It's it, I think it's a solid premise, but it needs work to be funnier. It's kind of yeah. it's 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 not enough for it to just ride on being a Star Wars parody. Well, it's a Star Wars. It's a critique on hypocrisy. It's a comment on Brexit itself. It's a bunch of things, and it can probably be honed a bit and made better. Well, because it would, I mean, uh, so it it opens on Christopher Lee entering the ship, right? Oh, yeah, definitely. He, like, uh, there's there's some kind of fighting, but I think it should probably just be, like, arguments as Christopher Lee, Admiral Dad, comes onto the ship. So in, instead of people shooting at each other and whatnot, it's a nonviolent confrontation of just, like, really annoying and pedantic arguments. Mm, so do we use sound effects cues to it it, here's the thing is the entire boarding process should probably also be done in a terry gilliam cartoon okay so they you know they're forcing their way on and they're yelling at each other and i don't know maybe they do shoot at each other a little bit but it's harmless nobody gets hurt but it all you know cartoon violence in the form of terry terry gilliam cartoon and then there's the confrontation there's a serious dialogue for a little bit between the rebel leader i guess yeah uh that would be the princess princess and she's only called princess because admiral dad called her listen princess that's how he talks right 
That's exactly how we talk. And then she goes, don't call me princess dad. That's Admiral to you. Oh, uh, but I guess she would have a British accent, though, obviously, right? It would have to be fairly trashy. So what you're saying is she's from Cornwall. I said, don't call me princess dad, innit? Oh, so she's from the east end of London. Yeah. I still think it would be funnier to give her a a Cornish accent. I couldn't do one of them off the top of my head. Neither could I. But the, the the West Country accent is spectacular. What? Where did do you? <laughs> where did Billy Elliot take place? I have no idea. Or that movie, This Is England. Oh, here. Let me uh, an example. You know, in a lot of films, the stereotypical pirate accent. That's the Cornish accent. The West Country. Oh, you've got a decision to my doubt, you might. Yeah, you've got it. That is Cornish. Yeah, okay, I'm good with that. So that is... She's on a boat. We should make her sound like a pirate. She's a rebel. <laughs> okay, these characters are so many things. That fits That fits a little bit into the punk aesthetic too, I guess. Yeah, it does. She's... Yeah, but don't even get in... Don't even get started with the, the relationship between most British and the Cornish. But yes, the the piratey accent is all is all part of her being a rebel, both in terms of being a supporter of the Brexit and being a reb- rebellious daughter of this admiral dad. And so he accuses her of having stolen these plans. You know what you did. I know you have the plans. Give them to me, and all is forgiven. And so, to, like, do we so, go so far with the Star Wars ape? To, she declares, "No, they're uh, they're already gone." And that's when we see, I don't know, the U.S. We see Craig on like a canoe in the middle of the ocean. I don't know why my mind went there, but I just I had a, an image of like a butt plug with a USB port in it, and that's how it's being smuggled out. A butt plug on a USB. So okay, so when when you said that, my imagination went to. So I'm, I can't even think of what a movie is. I don't know why I'm thinking Catch Me If You Can. But one of those reveals where somebody mentions an object and then in the next shot, it cuts immediately to a very close zoom in shot of that object. And then the camera starts following it as it moves and then it slowly zooms out and it's on an, like a bag or a neck. Like it's following beside, behind the thing that the thing is moving on. You know what I'm saying? I think I do. That's hard to do with the butt plug, <laughs> but it could be done. Yes, I, I understand that is that is uh, untenable for a butt plug with like a convenient little hidey hole slot for a USB stick. Th- that was just what came to my mind. I mean, I'm, actually, you know, you know what, I'm, I'm, I'm down I'm, there in the gutter. It could work so good. Uh, yeah, it, <laughs> it could work so good if it was on film, because I like the idea of doing that shot, because I think it's also in like Ocean's Eleven, those types of things. Uh, you open on like trumpet music, like jazzy, exciting music and all the 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 drama going around you, because that would be sort of funny if you were zoomed up close on the bulge protruding from between somebody's cheeks of their their little butt plug in their pants. Oh, yeah, you definitely can't uh, you can't uh, you can't get a, a G string view of it. But it has to be one of the ones that has a good sized knobby bulge yeah, it's coming got, out. It's got because, a little nub. Yeah, because it, it needs room for the USB stick and stuff, which will not fit into the, you know, the narrow part of, I don't know what any of the parts of it are called. The narrow part of the Anyways, part. you'd definitely be able to tell through, like, some pants. <laughs> I don't know if we can do that with puppets, though. Actually, you know what? I just immediately, 
because I use felt for a lot of the sets, I could fake a shot where I make it look like I've got a pair of pants on like a doll or something um, made out of felt. And then I can just have a little bulge and I can, I don't know, that's maybe that's being too, I don't know how you can't suggest it good enough. Yeah. Uh, you might not be able to suggest it with look alone. You might also have to include like a funny walk and a couple of uncomfortable grunts because maybe traveling with one of those things up your ass isn't super comfortable. Well, I guess I could draw a back view of a butt with a little bulge line and then we could cut to the inside i could draw like you know like an inside a butt like a a a pink tunnel sort of image setting with craig inside complaining about how dark it is (laughs) let me winks yeah yeah i had to think of what that was for a second yes 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 exactly I don't know if uh, I don't I don't know if an internal view of the pink tunnel will be necessary because you can at least relatively easily have the the pants bulge. Try to do a bit of a funny stilted walk and include a couple of grunts and like an uncomfortable sort of sound. And then they this this courier this this butt courier. Oh, is the courier Columbo? Oh, or Stan. It's I think Stan doesn't wear pants. Probably be Columbo then. If Stan doesn't wear pants, we can't pull this off. We just have a a thing. Stan doesn't wear pants. He he just has a shiny little nub. Yeah, but yeah, we have a thing hanging out of a bear. (laughs) He's got well. Okay, so one one second. I'm going to send you a link. The link Todd sent to Tucker was for a product sold to cat owners with the purpose of hanging from their cat's tail to cover the cat's anus with a plastic gemstone. Anyway, we can have we can have a shiny little doodad hanging out of a bear. Fine. But see, once the courier arrives at the destination and is asked to provide the plans, courier says, uh, I have to go to the bathroom to get them. And then just, you can literally just have a visual butt plug right there. Like, it gets answered anyway. You don't have to make it super clear what's being carried because you reveal exactly what it is after. Okay. I mean, I'm still down to have this hanging out of a bear. Well, I mean, he could literally make a comment about you couldn't have come up with something a little bit easier to conceal. I think that should definitely come up as a part of it, because there's really nothing secret about this shining piece of anal jewelry on a bear. No, not at all. Currently unavailable. Wow. I was going to say, how much does it cost? Oh, it was $6 back in the day. Okay, so now now it's like a, an adventure of Stan and his butt plug. So we've, we've actually segued away from the... Uh, the rebels and now it's just Stan delivering a butt plug with enemy intelligence in it well so that so do, is it a long adventure or do we do several do we do several sketches do we do we do the whole a new hope story but break it down into sketches with time in between or is this a whole adventure or does it basically the the butt plug is the end of that sketch and then we're done with that thing i think since we can kind of bookend it a bit with uh, Stan getting away with the uh, with the plans that we can pick it back up whenever we want if we happen to have an idea and if we don't then that's it whatever it's over yeah so I mean that then that gives us because that is the end that gives us a little bit more space to beef up the scene involving the father and the daughter yeah yeah but I, I think we've uh spun around on this one for long enough it's probably time for the next topic 
Is it really? Oh my god, it's already. Did we? Oh, I guess we started a little bit late. I was gonna say, did we talk about that for an hour? We started at like quarter after. We 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 did speak about uh, the Sendables two for a while. That's true. Okay, if we were to interview, do you like the idea of interviewing George Carlin so that we can take advantage of what is that called SEO? What's SEO? Search engine optimization. Oh, I would love to interview George Carlin, but the best we can do is voice clips unless we want to fake his voice. So, yeah, that's what I was going to say. Do we kind of like reuse not literally not literally the joke that we use with Joshua, which was somebody had a voice, which was not the voice. We have a character that looks like and is named George Carlin and talks about George Carlin. But like we fully script something. And then we just have a different voice in place of George Carlin, or we use found footage from like bits and interviews that he's already done. And then we craft an interview around those. See, I like the idea of crafting the interview around material that he's already said, because at, uh, at some point he can definitely even say the fuck Tucker Tucker sucks and fuck Tucker's friend Todd. And he leaves the interview and that's it. He leaves the place in an angry huff and it's over. That's actually really funny because then eventually when i have enough clips of the actual show and i can make like a uh here are wipe edit clips from various episodes in our intro sort of thing when he says fuck tucker tucker sucks that can be a clip in the show already yeah exactly i like this idea okay so i guess but yeah i definitely think that we should successfully manage to piss off and alienate our idol i like that a lot and so I think that that will require a fair amount of coordination. So I think before, instead of trying to get into it right now, I would say, how about we make a list of like three or four of our favorite bits that we would want to pull quotes out of and then try to turn that into an interview? Yeah, yeah. Uh, that will require a bit of research because we're going to have to track down stuff. We need we need actual material. Or, uh, But I guess, so would it be easier, do you think, to go through footage and try to come up with questions or should we right now try to come up with what we think we would want to have been the thing that pissed them off and then try to find audio to meet that i mean we know his work fairly well i do but um it probably still would be better to work backwards take specific instances of things that he said and then produce material that uses it yeah reverse engineer yeah that makes more sense reverse engineer setups the alternative is to come up with a premise and then just troll through his stuff until you find something that fits it. But that I think it would be much easier to watch his stuff, think that's funny, and then try to make something that works with it. Yeah, I agree. And, and then, yeah, it we we make him mad. And then he finally says the line. He says the words. The audience cheers. Oh, yeah. There definitely needs to be like a cheer or a laugh track. and then And then we try to win the room back and we get booed. Okay, and here we have the non-trailer. I I non assume we're I assume we're done discussing the the George Carlin interview because it uh, it requires time and research. Yeah, that's done. That's brief. I was scrolling through. You want to go on to the non-trailer? Well, that's just what I happen to see. The alternative is we can start discussing that outer god uh, Lovecraftian entity that we want involved in our universe. I mean, perhaps one of the easiest ways to come up with what we want, maybe we'll, we'll just, hey, hey, you know, let's do both. <laughs> okay. Yeah. All right. Uh, <clears throat> this is a trailer about. Uh, it's a non-trailer. 
right it's a non-trailer oh right i forgot about that part because i was i was thinking of i was okay let's go to that briefly because we said we had proposed that maybe the way that the non-trailer ends is columbo thinks that the recording crew is spying on him. right he thought they were paparazzi and i feel like as i was driving around listening to that i had a thought about how it could have ended better i like better let's do better Is that better? <laughs> yes, that the silence was better. It was that bad, huh? Because I think I was trying to think of why perhaps oh, it's totally gone from my mind. All right. A new kind of non-trailer. Although for the uh, the Lovecraftian monster, it can actually be a trailer trailer. We can just go ahead and make a, a stupid movie trailer. Okay, how does it start? Oh, it starts the way so many stupid movie trailers of this sort do. A couple, a new couple has just moved into their first home. They're unpacking stuff. It's a montage. We've got some upbeat, kind of soft, slow music going on. You're like, haha, I'm laughing and happy. And then there's a, a bang or an explosion of some kind. The ground shakes and they both look out the window in fear. And then we immediately hear another musical cue as we cut to another place and this is where you pick it up well i guess so why what what activity normally takes place to summon an ancient god or to, i guess to to impose the wrath of an ancient god well usually you can't because they can't just be summoned usually they just kind of accidentally show up so did this one take a wrong turn at Albuquerque? Is it funny at all to consider that this like super outer god level entity is incompetent and just got lost? I mean, it's a very uh, a Carlin-esque thought to ponder. He got lost and then when he asked for direction... He was in the neighborhood, thought he'd stop by. I was going to say maybe he was he was on his way and when he stopped to ask for directions, the person that tried to give him directions was sassy and that's what pissed him off and says, all right, I was just trying to pass through, but now you've gone and pissed me off. Can it please be me? Yeah, why not? Oh God, I've always wanted to back sass a god. And I've also kind of always wanted to be personally responsible for the annihilation of the entire human race. Oh, do we do a little bit of a, a Kevin Smith thing here? And the spot that the god pulls over to ask for directions is the quick stop, and that's where we're working? It goes black and white when he comes inside. Oh, yeah, I could do that. Um, oh, then we get to do a clerk's reference. He can walk in right as I'm yelling, 37 dicks! <laughs> yeah, something like that. There's somebody counting eggs. 37 eggs. <laughs> Is it true, sir? Sorry, I've heard it described that you have an egg-shaped penis. I've heard it described that it is thin at the top and wide at the base. It is ov it is oval in shape. Sorry, this is, this is just what I heard. <laughs> okay, you're a hundred percent responsible for that conversation. That's that's we can that's the that is the conversation from the Jeffrey Epstein interrogation. Speaking of which, I think he should turn up in Columbo's sea can. Dead in the sea can. No, no. I think he should look like he just came out of Jumanji, but he's very much alive. Oh, conspiracy. Columbo has been harboring him? Yeah, because uh, they're both disgusting perverts. Wow, we really stepped up Columbo's uh, malevolence. He's not malevolent. He's just, um, he's, uh, <laughs> he's, 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 he's definitely complicit. 
but he's also he doesn't necessarily condone it, but also does that mean that I'm friends with Columbo? Yeah. I am friends with Columbo, but I did not have sexual relations with that woman. It gets him hookups with not necessarily dubiously aged women, but hookups nonetheless. Epstein knows where all the amputees are. <laughs> It'd be kind of funny if there was a joke somebody says, Oh, you know, Donald Jeffy. He knows where the bodies are buried. And Jeffy, Jeffy's like, No, I don't. No, I don't. Stop, stop, <laughs> stop saying that. I know I don't. <laughs> <laughs> don't say that stop saying that stop saying that why do you keep saying that you gotta stop saying things like that every fucking party we go to because the only person who actually knows where the bodies are buried never finds that funny <laughs> no they, they, their sense of humor really goes away yeah try and joke at a party that tony soprano knows where all the bodies are buried you're gonna be a, you know well i mean you're joining them any anyway uh Oh, no, maybe it should be Columbo that sasses the Elder God. I mean, because he's got no respect. I guess none of us really have all that much respect. I mean, are uh, when you first asked, I thought, are you the Elder God? No, I want to flip him off. But now that I think about it, I think it would be better if uh, Columbo does it, and he does it in like a vaguely racist way. So Col Columbo is overtly being insulting. <laughs> I like this idea, yeah. Columbo is our kind of uh, way to grandfather in literally sort of mildly racially insensitive humor. And then in yeah, the he's background... The, he's the scapegoat. Like, we use him like they use Hitchcock in Brooklyn 999 oh, when they need to, uh, like workplace sexual harassment that's that's hitchcock he does right, exactly but they never they never show it in like a good light he's always getting made fun of and he's always getting in trouble and he's always failing and so that's also why whenever columbo says something over it we have straight women who rolls her eyes and says dude you know for a short while i forgot that we had straight women <laughs> yeah, we need to we need to work her in eventually do you think there's anywhere in the tip your waitress sketch where I could put her? Oh, I mean, she could be fairly upset that we keep saying waitress. Like she could roll her eyes and say that we're supposed to say server or something like that. I don't know. Are we supposed to say server? I don't that's I don't know if she is that much of that character, but there is a certain group of people that would say you're supposed to say server because waitress is like sexist. And I think server sounds almost like I'm calling her an indentured servant. Right. Server is classist. So suck on that. We really can't identify anybody as anything. All right, hello, restaurant attendant. <laughs> I like that. I mean, if you can have a gas station attendant, you can have a restaurant attendant. <laughs> yeah. Why don't you have a flight attendant? Because I know for sure you're not supposed to call them stewardesses. Here's a question. So steward die if it's plural you know if you happen to have two at once is that how that works steward i i have no idea but i know that that's what a horny pilot said once give me stew or give me death stew or die you were just about to say something oh fuck stewardess sexist waitress jokes about straight woman restaurant attendant Restaurant attendant. I mean, we one of us, somebody could hit on the waitress and the straight woman could come in to defend her. 
I think that might require the rewriting of a large portion of the sketch. I don't know if she can be shoehorned into this one. Maybe she can literally be straight woman responding to the joke when the cow gets tipped before we turn down and even see in some way she inter like intercedes in some way and goes like, dude, that's obviously not what he meant. Yeah, yeah. And that's actually I was having uh, trouble ending the sketch and she could end it. Yeah, like whoever pushed her says, sorry, she said tip your waitress right he said tip your waitress and then she goes that's obviously not what she meant and then you shrug the camera and the audience laughs and we fade to black yeah yes because when we first discussed that sketch we didn't have a real ending we just kind of kind of petered off yeah well that does resolve that anyway so the straight woman will obviously that's not what he meant audience laughter then i look at you and we both shrug at each other oh no we shit on the straight woman so it's not about you being wrong because it's not the cute shrug she goes you go because who pushed her over in your script that would be you right because you're much bigger right than i am okay so i pushed her over she uh somebody says something there's some sort of whatever goes on i say well sorry he said put tip your waitress and then the straight woman comes in and says that's obviously not what he meant and then what i just had the idea where did it go i i okay one joint before recording from now on two is too many oh my god um, <laughs> you're intoxicated always and so you have access to different ideas man um you have access so... to fewer ideas at a slower rate <laughs> it's true uh now you get understand where all the clunkers came from he really i that's how the best man got bested my man yeah but that was so good <laughs> oh i want to go listen to that again now <laughs> it's pretty close to the beginning and so what the fuck were we talking about just now okay let let me let me get that back up we had Oh, shit. What were we talking about just now? Okay, uh, straight woman. <laughs> yeah, straight woman. So just says, joke, obviously, that's the, not what he meant. And then what? Everybody the else, everybody else, you go, oh, straight woman, this is a sketch show. And that's when everybody shrugs and laughs. And that's when it, like, freeze frame and then cuts to credits. Do, do we, uh, so how about I say, you know, I say it's only a sketch show. And... Thus, that should kind of implicitly mean that any violence or anything that occurs in the show is fake. But the camera could always pan down to the tipped over cow who has been badly injured. And if I recall, there was a point when we ate her because she had a tattoo. And the joke was that the steak we were eating happened to have a tattoo. <laughs> That's true. Is that in the script currently? No, I just remembered it now. I think I think I don't want that. I think that was kind of like a throwaway. That can be reserved for something else, maybe. It is a little bit dark. I was that was working in humor about what the restaurant is, but now that we made the whole thing into her and her like kind of character development, we don't need that extra thing thrown in. She wanted to be a singer, and we fucking ate her. <laughs>
What do we need an elder god for when we're clearly the monsters? Well, that's what I say. Are you the monster? So the line, the line is actually not. That's not what she meant. I say, well, he said, "Tip your waitress," and she says, "Dude, not everything is a bit." And that's when we laugh at her and go, "This is a sketch show." This is a sketch show. Everything is a bit. Everything is a bit. And then, and then she goes, "Not everything has to be a bit." We say, "This is a sketch show." Yes, it does. I actually, I actually kind of wonder if uh, one of us says everything is a bit, and then, and then straight woman happens to think that one of us said bitch. And then she gets really mad. You know they hate that. The straight woman? Yeah. Can't say bitch. <laughs> I don't know. I thought it would be funny if we go everything is a bit. And then it cuts to a anthropomorphic drill and he goes, it's true. <laughs> I, I, okay, I like that better. Because we've already done the uh, the mariachi band that happens to just be, you know, characters in the alphabet. Right. So we have no problem bringing just inanimate objects or sometimes even just concepts that don't physically exist and turning them into people. And so does she continue after the <laughs> after it becomes absurd and there's a drill who talks? Does... No, that we we probably have to wrap it up rapidly after that. Well, that's so that was, does it end on her? She's like, I hate this place. Like, I hate this reality or whatever. Why do I work here? Yeah, probably something like that. And then cue laugh track and then black screen like that. Or uh, like or it does do the freeze frame with the cheesy music and the laugh track. And then there's like a, an asterisk that says these events, though they may appeal, appeal rear are not based on blah, blah, blah. I do. I do like the freeze frame, like if, especially if it's uh, if it shot right during like a big laugh. And everybody except for the straight woman looks like they're having a great time. And it and it rolls the credits over her. Yeah, and the music yeah. goes ba da 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 da. Yes, that is good. Yeah, the Tucker and Todd show was filmed in front of a live studio audience. And and I I do apologize for my very frequent desire to immediately cut to a black screen with things. I'm still uh, suffering PTSD from the ending of The Sopranos. I mean, I feel like because. I so frequently end up framing conversations that I'm having with people as uh, scenes from movies. I just frequently refer to everything as cutting to black. So uh, it doesn't stand out. To it me. might if you start listening to me and we start cutting everything I suggest to black. We can take a master class on film editing and we can start using other edits in our references. No, as far as I'm concerned, there's just cut to black and then smash cut. And and uh, the freeze frame didn't exist until two minutes before now because I I didn't I knew it existed but I also it wasn't in my headspace. Someday we're gonna have to do the one where it freeze frame and then the freeze frame shatters and falls out of frame. Somebody breaks through it, probably Stan smashes it with a brick or something. That is a thing that Stan would do. Yeah, it is. What a little bastard. Do you want to squeeze in the butterfly effect? Yeah, that. Uh, that one was particularly funny in its implications. So you, the very first thing that you, so I, I will read the the premise first. <laughs> this was the stupidest outcome of the butterfly effect, and you said common collaboration for baby. Oh, sorry, common coloration for baby boys and baby girls is reversed. So the former is now pink and the latter is now blue, just as it once was. Which, like I said, there actually suggests that the reversal that did occur in our history was the result of a butterfly effect, which means our history's already, our timeline's already been tampered with. 
And so was the very first time that the butterfly effect altered the color interpretations where they neither pink nor blue and they switched to pink and blue or did they just keep constantly switching every now and then because of the butterfly effect? Well, they switched once because of the butterfly effect. If it switches again, it would actually be a correction. And so what caused the first one? Ooh, I like that. Uh, of course, Columbo's going to have to be involved because he's omnipresent and exists in all space and time. Yeah. I looked up the dates. So the the, sw- the most recent switch was the 40s. Wait, you mean there's more than one switch? Yeah. They started representing that in... Oh, I you forgot now. I think they said the 18th century. Yes, but pink was for boys and blue was for girls. Right. But before that, was there a color for girls? Or was that like when they started establishing colors for boys and colors for girls? I have to assume that they've been assigning colors to boys and girls for as long as there have been colors and boys and girls. So there there definitely would have been something that came before, although I don't know if it fit the pink and blue dynamic. So, so, so once again, we've had another butterfly effect. Somebody keeps screwing up the colors that babies wear. And so how is that represented visually? Or is it exposition? We find we uncover a vault or something, and we meet some warden of the vault who tells us the story of how things used to be, except for the time that this thing happened. And then that's when we, oh, time machine comes into play and we have to go back and change it. I don't know. I kind of hate exposition. I kind of think that once again, Columbo should save the day due to his omnipresence. He should take one look at, uh, for some reason, I don't know, probably a commercial or something like some kind of baby commercial. That shows the baby boys in blue and baby girls in pink. He should uh, kind of get this intense feeling of like deja vu and unease looking at it. And he just goes into a bit of a, a quiet rant about how that's not right. Something's changed. And then we inquire. And that's when he says this has happened before? Yeah, and of course, rather than just telling us, he shows us because we have a time machine and he knows where we have to go because he's got this weird sense. And we say, what is it? And he says, this has happened before. Come with me. And we start following him towards the door and we go, okay, but you haven't said what it is. And he just mutters like the butterfly effect. And we like give each other a glance. And then that's all. That's the only reference is the butterfly effect. And then the rest of it is our own storytelling. Yeah, and if you want, we could even, we could even, uh, <laughs> what if we accidentally do something to change the timeline and thus we accidentally change the name of the butterfly effect? Okay. Seem, see, it seems kind of meta and funny to me that during our visit back after Columbo introduces the concept of the butterfly effect, one of us accidentally, like, tips over a jar or something and then we come back and it's no longer called the butterfly effect it's just some other thing do we maybe he says the butterfly effect and we grab off of our shelf a jar with a butterfly in it and we spend the whole time studying the the butterfly trying to figure out what it has to do with like the mystery that we're solving and then by the end of the sketch the butterfly has died and we just kind of like leave it and shrug and the camera zooms in on it and then somebody mentions something about the Tucker effect. Oh, yeah. I definitely want it to be named after me. When a catastrophe ripples through time. That's me. The Tucker fly effect. 
Okay, so I uh, I have had a personal hand in damaging the space-time continuum. I'm okay with that. Where does Columbo take us? Well, so the it was called the butterfly effect in the first. So was so because our adventure alters the name of it to no longer be the butterfly effect. Was it called the butterfly effect in the first place because of this original incident that Columbo experienced that led to the changing of the colors in the first place? Did that have something to do with the butterfly? No, no. <clears throat> it was totally unrelated, and it's left entirely unexplained how we managed to change it. That way, we keep con- that way we keep the time travel convoluted, convoluted and stupid. Okay. Do we go? to the middle of the ocean where there is a perpetual monsoon and we go into the eye of the monsoon and that is an entrance into this uh not atlantis but you know atlantis and that has something to do with the the way that colors are perceived and interpreted or seen or something like that because that's the hurricane that's caused by a butterfly flapping its wings ah Thank you for tangling that together. For a minute, I was wondering why we were going into a storm instead of just into a gargantuan fish ship. You know, episode one. Yeah. Now, I don't know if uh, this place will have anything to do with how colors are uh, perceived, but they might have a lot to do with how they're culturally assigned because it's just a gargantuan marketing agency. Interesting. And so I assume, is, is this where we get to take a, this is a little bit of a social critique on how this stuff occurs in the first place? Oh, yeah. We're going to go ahead and take a bite out of uh, marketing and uh, commercialism and consumerism. And so do we go to this place and there is like a focus testing group with a group of people looking at a projection on one side is blue and on one side it's pink. And there's like a guy giving a, a presentation of some form and they keep giving like enthusiastic oohs and disgruntled grumbles yeah now are they on the other side of like a a one-way glass mirror so like we can see them but they can't see us maybe maybe we go down a hallway of many of these kind of like forms there's there's a there's a whole bunch of presentations going on maybe of individual colors or they're all just comparing blue to pink there's a whole bunch of different rooms of people comparing blue to pink the blue to pink is in the baby rooms. I imagine if this is a massive marketing agency, they have a whole bunch of rooms with a bunch of different colors for things. And we could also, you know, pick out a couple of funny, you know, binary color combinations that exist in like common advertisement and have them show up there as well. Oh, sure. There's orange and teal and Zack Snyder's jerking off. Yeah. <laughs> uh. And uh, there can be like shades of gray and brown. And then whoever decide who whoever was the artistic lead for Gears of War is in there sucking himself off. (laughs) Sure. I I like that. I enjoy that. There's some kind of iconic kind of color palettes that we can throw together in this. Yeah. And uh, either either something happens like we've gone back in time to just before the disruption happens that causes the reversal. Or we're kind of actually in like a, like a warped bit of time where the two like like uh, two timelines are partially combining and they're flip flopping. Oh, that would I could, that would be fun to just play with the actual color correction in the film editing. I would enjoy that. Yeah, it, like the screen gets like very sh- blurry and staticky and flickers, 
but like only for an instant and then it immediately swaps to the next one like they're they're fighting for dominance between the two of them yeah that's cool and now i'm sorry to i'm sorry i cut you off where were you going i was saying because we're talking about fuck colors and color oh oh yes 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 oh we passed the room and there com- and there's different colors being compared right and one of the rooms we pass is black and white and we see a bunch of cops have killed a bunch of black people wow but we don't actually see the the black people we see a bloody massacre pile like a, bl- a pile of bloody bodies and then just a bunch of people in uniform that's the black and the white room i think we could have a black and a white room and we just have a bunch of white cops giving the like the the black square a bad score oh yeah that, that works you know uh, yeah uh we don't need to bring a bunch of bloody batons into this but yeah they all they all look at the 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 black color representation with scorn and so colombo knows what we have to do to stop the dimensions from merging yeah uh in fact colombo informs us that they will not merge nicely that they will in fact fucking explode or something like there's going to be some kind of catastrophe if they you know it's like plate tectonics they're the they're going to have the time space continuum equivalent of a volcano do we want to stop it do we actually care if we if we if we want to continue to exist we have to stop it and uh, we can definitely make a bit of a joke out of, do I really want to exist? And then Columbo has to like twist our arms into actually saving. Uh, yeah, we get confused as we're going. And as we actually need. Okay, so wait a second. So you're saying that if we don't keep the color whatever separated, then everything's going to wink out of existence? And Columbo's like, yes, that is the point I'm trying to make. And we're looking at each other like, do we give a shit about this? You mean this could all be over? <laughs> Keanu Reeves runs in. What's what's he say? His his pills are changing colors and he's confused. Oh, right. That that definitely needs to be a room. And there definitely needs to be Morpheus and Neo. And Morpheus has he's got the 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 blue square and the red square and he's pointing out the difference between the two. And there's a whole bunch of Agent Smiths there the group. Yeah, sure. Yeah. That's kind of cute. And then, of course, Columbo eventually convinces us that we want to continue to exist and want everybody else to continue to exist as well. So we have to do some kind of mad science, I guess, to forcibly split up the two timelines again. And in the process, we accidentally create the Tucker. So does he convince us to save the universe be with uh, like greed sort of thing? Like, if you don't save the universe, then you won't make those sweet residuals off your show. <laughs> he could definitely appeal to. Yeah, we're we're dumb enough that we could be appealed to by something that wouldn't exist and wouldn't matter. Yeah, there's no snacks in heaven in the afterlife, whatever. We're going to have to go to the afterlife sometime. Are we going to get into an argument about whether or not there is one? And somebody's like, let me show you. And it's just Detroit. (laughs) Uh, I think actually I wrote a short story in actually after I quit Mount Royal. I wrote a short story about how hell was St. Louis. It very well could be. And and the the protagonist saved the fate of the universe by playing a round of poker with the devil in the back room of a Panda Express. But how do we save the universe? I mean, we have to do the mad science 
I assume that means we need Craig to come along. So there's mad science being done? I mean, can you think of any other way to forcibly separate two time streams? Do we use Craig as like a prism to refract the the time beams? Oh yeah, cuz cuz they're they're coming together and we use him as a prism to separate them again. Yes. That, that is sound, right? I have I have no idea how he's going to do it. Oh yeah, that you could probably get a physics degree just for that. <laughs> Don't give me hope. I need a new job. I've never heard a more sound theory before. School bus. Oh, here's the thing I learned. The Miss Frizzle in the original Magic School Bus was voiced by Lily Tomlin. Interesting. Made my day. Uh, Lily Tomlin could get it, by the way. She could get what now? She could get it, my friend. Would smash you know, out I'm, of ten. I'm not even going to argue with you on that one. He's been a dime forever. So we use Craig... We bring him to the place where the the because this I mean this is the place that's maybe that's why the storm is occurring is because people thought it was butterflies but it or there was some sort of propaganda group that convinced people that storm was caused by butterflies and that's how it got that name uh, but it's actually the convergence of these timelines or whatever oh yeah it yeah yeah a convergence event is probably causing storms all over the world but. Columbo knew exactly where to take us. And so we have a dramatic moment where we uh, hold Craig up to the beams. Yeah, I was going to say, just just like my own hesitance, I was going to say, do we really have to save the universe or can we just let it go? But no, we do, or else there's no show. Well, I mean, it could be a Rick and Morty sort of thing where we let that uh, timeline die and we just show up in another one. Well, fortunately, we have two timelines and we can pick either one. Oh, yeah, we can go into one of the two timelines that is converging and allow the one that we're in to collapse and die. All right. So give me your uh, A-grade physics theory on how we do that. Well, we reach into the embarrassing bunny costume of plot contrivances and we pull out a like what's it called? An inner tube and we inflate the inner tube and we jump into it and we ride into the beam of time convergence. Okay, so at this point, the the two timelines are actually getting close enough that they've created like a visible stream, like a channel that we can see and try to interact with. And we jump onto it with an inner tube and see where it goes. That or Gene Wilder is there in his little white onesie jumpsuit thing and he mike tvs us into the timeline i don't know i'm kind of fond of the idea that we use the embarrassing pink bunny suit well i guess we should we probably should do that i mean we spent like 40 minutes building that thing up so that we could use it for moments like these and the best part is it doesn't actually fix anything it just gives us something to ride to our doom with we assume and does it even give us an inner tube or does it give us like a cardboard box labeled inner tube? And we're like, seriously? And somebody says something about like, you didn't use your imagination hard enough. No, it, it gives us a box that contains an inner tube, but it's it's like a weird kind that requires an, like a, an electric inflation device. And we don't have one. All right. We don't have time for this. So we just have to use the box. Yeah. Yeah. We don't have time for this. So we just use the box. Which is which is which is funny because Craig is about. Oh, maybe this is how Craig gets his new form, because we sacrifice him to transport into the new thing. Oh yeah, we could. Uh, all we need is to save his USB stick. Now I kind of want to put 
uh, Craig's USB stick in the uh, the butt plug. Okay, so is are we establishing? Okay, so this is how we establish that uh, Craig is a butt plug for a short period of time. He becomes a butt plug in this scene, and then that allows him to be the butt plug in the the UK Rebels thing. Oh, that he's gonna be traumatized if we do that to him. Stuff him up, stands ass. <laughs> They're both going to hate that so much. But then, but uh, Craig makes the point to Stan that he's always complaining about how he doesn't get any. Oh, getting oh, you're getting some now. But Craig still fucks. And and then Stan makes a comment like, all right, all right, I get it. Would you get off my ass? And Craig's like, technically, I'm in it. See, here's the thing is technically Stan is getting some, but technically he's getting it from Craig. So Craig still fucks. Yeah. There is no justice. But no, I don't think this is the moment to put Craig in the butt plug. We're just going to save his USB stick and then use his body as a as a box or something to transport into this beam and go into the other universe where uh, boys and girls are in blue and pink again. So do we have a little serious conversation about, okay, Craig, buddy, it's been great. I know it's been a, a crazy adventure in this cardboard box body, but it's time to sacrifice it for the greater good now are we going to talk to him like we're just going to sacrifice his body or are we going to talk to him like he's probably going to die and then he points out that we can just take his usb stick out or does he ham it up like it's a big serious moment and then we interrupt him by just yanking the usb out of the box and like pulling his life out of it sort of oh well he's in mid-speech yeah he's giving like a farewell uh yes that we, we pull the plug on him while he's doing his farewell speech, where he's patting himself on the back for his sacrifice before he's even done it. We just yank it because we don't have time for this. Yeah, gotta go. We toss his body up in the air. It gets suspended in the beams or whatever. And then the other timeline gets destroyed or what? Yeah, we hop into one of the new ones and then the other one collapses around us, gets sucked into itself. Okay, Columbo has like an iPad with with some timeline measurement stuff on. He's like, collapse imminent. And we jump into the other one and it's fine. It's fine. We know it's fine because we get to the other side and Columbo is just standing there. And then we ask him like, how did you get here or whatever? And he's like, he makes some stupid comment about it. Like I'm always, here. I was already here. I never left. Yeah. Fuck that guy. Or he's just like, what do you mean? I live here <laughs> at the, at the ad agency. So, yeah, so we hop through a timeline. It is just a timeline. We're, so we're at the ad agency in another timeline. Oh, where it's not a storm, I'm assuming, right? Yeah, the storm is gone. And all of the colors in all of the uh, advertisement booths are now in the correct, at least by our reckoning, placement. Although all, that would be kind one of, funny. of the colors can still be in like the wrong spot. So, so that the timeline isn't quite perfect. There's a couple of kinks left in it. Is it does is it, are they out of spot obviously in that place or is that like uh uh after the the characters aren't aware there's sort of like a a glitch and the other the colors flash but the the characters aren't aware of it and there's some like foreboding music dun 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 yeah they don't know yeah uh definitely some kind of like little flash or glitch or something that indicates that it's it's not over because we're not good at letting things go. And so we pop up there and we look at Columbo and go, what are you? How did you get here? And he says, maybe he does say I live here because it is a different timeline. Yeah, but the thing with Columbo is that he's consistent through all of them. 
because he's he's a single entity that just happens to exist in all of these times and places, which means that he probably is the uh, the elder god that we're looking for. Oh, interesting. So, like, even Columbo was the one that was asking for directions? But not as Columbo. Obviously, he has to have an elder god-shaped form, too. That's why he has to wear the trench coat, is to hide his form. Oh, so he just opens it and it's a fucking nightmare in there? I mean, I kind of expected that anyway, but a different kind of nightmare. Yeah, people constantly confuse the uh, bottomless dark pit of roiling clouds that... You can see through his shirt, they think it's his chest hair. (laughs) But it's actually the abyss of infinity. It's the abyss, yeah. It's it's the darkness out of space and time. It's it's a a gaping void, a wound in reality. And so and so we. Oh, maybe that's what he says. So yeah, so they maybe that's how it ends. Then is that they we go like, how did you get here? Because he didn't jump into the box with us. He told us that we need to get out. We thought that we were leaving him behind, maybe. Or maybe we just trust that he's always fine because he always. I, has I'm him. not 100% and... sure we gave a shit whether he lived or died. Oh, so maybe we get there and we go, oh, you're still here? <laughs> yeah, we're kind of all, like surprised, but like a small, a a small tinge of disappointment in that surprise. Oh. <laughs> oh, you're still here. And that's when he's like, yeah, this is my nightmare realm. And that's when it zooms out and there's all sorts of eldritch horrors and doom music. Oh, yeah. The water is black and it's and it, it has like tons of eyes. The wa- the waves blink at you. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So and we get there and the storm's gone. Is that where it ends? We're now in the nightmare realm and it just ends there? It might be because it established that that is who that is just the establishing shot of Columbo's true form. And then, then we can start playing with it from there. And then in the in the next episode, we're perfectly fine and back home. And that's maybe that's how that next like sketch starts. Is we're like, so are we ever going to talk about you know the incident? We promised we'd never talk about Canada. <laughs> yeah, like it's actually one of those things. Like, are we going to talk about that? And we use our arms to do like a Squidward, like wobbly arm, acting like we're squids kind of thing. And when we do that, our arms grow little eyeballs. <laughs> Are we going to talk about the, you know, the whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> and then they grow eyeballs. Yeah, I like that. Are we ever going to talk about that? No, we promised we wouldn't. He swore us to secrecy. But obviously, he, we have to talk about it because that's when it's going to cut away to him at a gas station. Ask, Wait a second. Then Columbo and us can't sass that. Hmm. Nope. Columbo can't be vaguely racist to it, but Stan can. Oh, that's true. You know, he he tells it, I'm so sick of you people. Go back to where you came from. Like, you know, the kind of thing that horrible people say. But in this case, it's being said to uh, a reality warping abomination that nobody's ever seen before. And nobody knows where it comes from. But for some reason, Stan treats it like something that he has like established contempt for it. Maybe he does because he does come from the Care Bears and they have a long-standing war with dark, nightmarish things. That's true. He probably recognizes it for what it is. Also, I think he did spend a little bit of time with Columbo. Definitely. Oh, never mind. It's not Columbo, but it's probably either a relative of his or his boss because in this case, Columbo's more like a, a terrestrial one of them the one that like moves onto a planet and kind of just like like moves in 
He went native. Well, I was going to say is Columbo's boss coming after him because he prevented the merging of timelines that they had been planning for millennia. Oh, it would be pretty funny if a couple of chuckling idiots managed to ruin a well-laid plan that was thousands of years old. So yeah, I'm all for it. Because as if Bill and Ted have taught us anything, it's that a couple of idiots can do just about anything. And then so if he is if he's coming in all hot, coming after Columbo, and we are defensive of Columbo, then that is your opportunity to be flipping off the ancient god. Although I don't want to be the one who's overtly racist to it. I still think that should be Stan. Yeah, so I, th- I imagine Stan being overtly racist in the foreground and then you in the background doing little like flip them off scenes. Yeah, I'm okay with just flipping them off. Okay, yeah. So, well, now now we've just kind of made it like almost an invincible reference where we've got this uh, this lurking threat on the planet who's just kind of gone native. I haven't seen that one yet either. I think it's pretty funny. And so do we want to chase it back to where it came from? Do we annoy it until it it's leaves? Probably, it's probably bigger than the planet, so I don't know if we can chase it. We're just going to have to like convince it to well, leave. So do we convince it or do we annoy it until it leaves well i mean that's kind of what i meant by convincing it to leave that's basically the only superpower that i mean that have. that trope has been sort of done that is not a barrier to doing it but how like i don't just want to be broadly annoying i want there to be a specific pet peeve that he has and then we find that button and push it well obviously we'll figure that out by its conversation with Columbo. It'll reveal some kind of domestic weakness that it's much, much like the uh, female man that uh, it's got it's got too many domestic hang ups to be able to do its job. Does he have like a social anxiety or something like that? Interesting. Expand on that, because that might actually be hilarious. An an eldritch god that has that came with a trigger warning. (laughs) He's just always complaining about how he can't deal with crowds. Yeah, I'll, I'll, it it starts falling apart for him as soon as like three or four of us start to gang up on him. He starts backing down immediately. He hates crowds. They make him so nervous. But dude, you have literally a thousand voices. And right now, 999 of them are all full of self-doubt and telling this guy that he can't do it and he should just give up. And, and the one that isn't is just kind of hungry. And so does he start like mentally withdraw or uh, socially withdrawing then as well yeah yeah he starts to shut down and like get get quiet and as it as this creature gets less confident it shrinks so it's thinking is just starts eating pop tarts and watching anime at this rate it's going to wind up moving into the studio oh well i would uh, another cast member i'll take it so it winds up being broken down to such an extent that it's small enough that it fits into the back of our car i like it our, our white van. Yeah, we, we need a van. And it needs like a stupid decal on the side of it. So so now we've got this eldritch entity. And unlike Columbo, this one doesn't have a human form. So it's just going to be like a, like a black ball with like tentacles and eyes and probably stars. Like it probably actually looks like a reflection of uh, the night sky, like a, like a black canvas. With twinkling white lights in it, it looks like the cosmos put in a ball. I I, I think I'm seeing what you're seeing. And uh, so yeah, but it's small, and yeah, it's it's now getting a bit sassy. It's eating pop tarts, watching anime, and is otherwise succumbing to its social anxiety and becoming a bit of a shut-in in the only place 
that it can, which is apparently our studio. And so does it totally just give up on its... Do we carry on the plan? Or are we like, oh, this was actually kind of cool. I was kind of looking forward to... I don't think we have the capacity to destroy the world or reality. But yeah, I, I think this creature will just give up because we've we've triggered it so badly that uh, it's decided that the that continuing that plan is totally untenable. So are we then like, why do we keep saving the universe? Or are we questioning how it keeps falling upon us? Do we wish that we hadn't? Do we say, are we excited about it? Maybe we should go into the business of saving the universe? No, I think we're slightly frustrated just how screwed the universe would be without us, especially because we don't really care about it all that much, and we keep saving it almost accidentally. Certainly incidentally. We're not going out of our way to save it. Columbo twisted our arm that one time, and this time we kind of just made fun of this monster until it gave up. Boy, oh boy, what's going to happen to the universe when we're not there? Also, do we frame it in sort of a like a dude? Do you realize that in the past two weeks we have saved the universe from total calamity twice in that time? We could have example of better use of time, which is not actually better use. Yeah. Yeah. We we just like uh, suggest things that, of course, would not have been possible or reasonable to expect without a universe like we could have been going go-karting. We could have peeled two million bananas go-karting, tobogganing. Yeah, and, and at that point we could break into a segue about how bananas are like vaguely radioactive. And then that that conversation continues on, but it, get, it gets dimmer and quieter and quieter as like an apology and credits start to roll. Yeah, an apology? Yeah, an apology. We saved the universe twice and we didn't really care. Sorry, I never meant to save you, universe. Yeah, because, uh, I don't know. We're not convinced that it wouldn't be better if it was not saved. But if it wasn't saved, we couldn't have our show. That's how it, that's like what it comes down to. I know. But I think it is about that time where we stop having our show for the week. Does that make any sense? That didn't make any yes, sense. Yes, that makes a lot of it, look. It makes perfect sense to me because I'm ready to drop. I just, I just got a special uh, announcement coming in here. A notification on my desktop. It says, "Todd, you are the king of segways." Oh well, thank you. I didn't realize. Todd, you are the king of segways. Well, it's true. I have been Todd, and I've. I've been Tucker, and I am, like in this timeline and all the other ones. And I have been Todd, like I was in all the other ones. Great point. Are or have been? I have been Todd. What are you now? Todder. That's cute, but I'm already Tucker. What am I going to do? Mm -hmm. Just don't become a Tuckist. I think we both know I'll reach Tuckerer before I reach Tucker. I was, I was thinking of it with, with an I, a Tuckist. I think that sounds more like a faction of people who really hate me. Oh, I was going to say that they were a faction of people who put on lipstick and danced along to Goodbye Horses. The Tuckists. <laughs> yeah, get it? I get it. I'm I'm just tuckered out. Well, maybe you should taper off. Maybe we should tuck this away. I think so. It's been a pleasure. Time has flown, and I will talk to you presently. Presently and later. Good night, everybody. That was our show. <laughs> Bye, Craig. Blow me. Fuck Tucker. Tucker sucks. And fuck 
Tucker's friend Todd.